one in um, the pew Bible in front of you and find the New Testament book of Acts. Acts chapter 20 is where we're going to be as we kind of finish off our Abide series here and then we have a special time uh, with our elders uh, being uh, appointed today. You guys uh, selected them, went through the selection process and then voted on them back in November and today is sort of the celebration of that as well. And so I want to bring a message here from Acts chapter 20 as, as we continue to learn how to abide in community. Um, and this word abide means to live in, live within. It's this reminder that we were created, every human being, every human being, young and old, every continent, every nation was created for a relationship with God. And until we're connected in that relationship with Him, we're missing the most important thing. And so the most important thing you could do, I could do every day is abide or live within, stay connected to God. It's kind of like... Uh, having our batteries charged, right? Many of us are used to our iPads and Kindles. Many of us are used to our cell phones. And you know, right, after a while, those suckers, their batteries start to die, right? And then, you know, what happens to, to folks, right? You go into panic mode. Oh, no, 10%. How will I survive without this device? And, uh, and what do you got to do? You got to get it connected to the power source, amen? Human beings were created to run off a power source. And no, it wasn't. Uh, food and all that sort of stuff, although you were created to live off of those things. But there is a soul power source that, that we can't live without, and that is a connection to God. And so it's that abide. And so how do you uh, spend time with God every day? How do you connect with Him? How do you walk with Him in your daily activities? And so we've been challenging you on that. You can go back if you missed some of the uh, series there. There are these uh, little half sheets in the back there and some ways to get connected with God, some good ideas. And so I want to encourage you as you leave today, Grab one of those if you haven't during this Abide series and make sure, because here's really the question that I need to remind us all of. How's it going in your abiding? How's it going? Because you can come to church, right? But if you only just charged your phone once a week, I know some of us got a flip phone and that's all we need to charge it, right? Okay, right? But, you know, if you got a smartphone, that thing needs to be charged every couple of hours, it seems like, right? I mean... You can't just come and eat a meal once a week. You've got to stay connected to God. So how's it going? And we as a body, we exist to help you stay connected, get connected to God. So grab some of those resources on the back tables before you head out today. That's really the most important thing you do. And then last week, uh, we talked about how do you abide within community? Is that It's not just the Word of God we need, although that is the primary thing we need, but you need a community of people around you and, and, and make a commitment to be a member, to be a part of a local church. And I even said... If that's not this church, then connect with another church and, and be committed there and engage in that community because that community means with unity, means getting to know people, not just a quick high and a bye, but it's being committed to a local family, just like you have a family you're a part of. And so abide in community. And so today we're just going to talk about this idea of expectations and explanations as we talk about what is the expectation upon an elder who would be a spiritual leader? of a congregation, and, and what is the expectations upon a Christian, right? Somebody who would say, I'm a follower of Christ. What does it mean to be a Christian? And how many of you know that expectations and explanations are important, especially before you do something, right? You know, if, if you um, have small children and you have the expectation that you're going to go out and enjoy a nice romantic meal, you're going to need to adjust those expectations, right? 
You know what I mean? Before you go there, because if you go there with some high expectations, these kids are just going to be all well-behaved at a fancy restaurant, and, and they're not going to, uh, you know, flip the forks and, and put the napkins on their heads and spill a glass and, uh, and do all kinds of things, then what's going to happen to you? You're going to be all upset, right? Because your expectations weren't right. I heard a story about expectations and explanations. Because sometimes we know the expectations. We just choose to ignore them. And I heard a story about a Native American man. He was an older gentleman, and uh, he needed a loan. Not a big loan. He just needed a, a $500 loan. But he grew up on the reservation, and to him that was a lot of money. And so he heard that you could go to a bank and get a loan. And so he goes up to the bank. And uh, the banker pulls out the loan application, begins to ask him some questions. He says, sir, what are you going to do with the money? And the uh, gentleman replied, buy silver, make jewelry, and sell. And, uh, and he says, oh, well, sir, what, what do you have for uh, collateral? The man said, don't know collateral. And, uh, and, and the banker said, well, well, that's uh, trying to explain it. That's something of value that would cover the cost of the loan if, uh, if you couldn't pay it. Uh, and so he said, do you, do you have a vehicle? And the man said, yes, Chevy, pickup. Uh, okay, what, what year? 1949. Uh, okay, um, no. Uh, how about any livestock? Do you have any livestock? Uh, yes, have horse, replied the man. And, uh, and the beggar said, okay, okay, maybe we can work with that. How, how old is your horse? And uh, the man said, don't know, has no teeth. And so the beggar said, oh, man, I, um, I, I don't know what I can do here. But he's thinking, you know what? This is an older gentleman. He seems legit. It's only $500. Probably made worse decisions in my life. I'm going to go ahead and grant the loan. And so they fill out the paperwork. And then several weeks later, the man comes back. And he pulls out this wad of cash, right? Wad of cash. And he pays back the loan. And so uh, he sees that the man has even more cash um, than, than what he could pay back the loan. with. he says, what are you going to do with the rest of the money? And the man said, put in can. And uh, he said, okay. And he said, why don't you put it here in my bank? And, um, you know, um, you can deposit it here. And the man said, don't know, deposit. And, uh, and he said, well, you can put the money here in the bank um, and, uh, and we'll take care of it for you. And when you want to use it, you can withdraw it if you need to. And the old man got real quiet and he leaned over to him. And he says this, what you got for collateral? <laughs> and so sometimes... We know more than we let on. We already know the expectations. We already know what's going on. We just don't want to let other people know. right? Because if they knew that I knew the expectations, I might have to meet those expectations, right? And uh, I heard another little story about uh, a young mom who had taken her five-year-old son uh, to her uh, grandfather's farm uh, that he grew up on. And she was like, I'm going to show this boy what farm life was like. And she took him there and, uh, and said, man, look at, look at how hard... These people had to work back in these days. And, and look at, man, just imagine having to plow these fields. And, and my grandfather, your great-grandfather had to do that. And she went on. And they looked at everything. And finally, they went over to the cow barn and, uh, and got into the cow barn. And uh, she said, man, I just want to encourage and, and, and I want my son to be amazed at what my grandfather did. And they looked at the cow barn and how it was. And she said, look at that ladder going on up there to the hayloft. That's a, that's a handmade ladder that your great-grandfather made. He made it by hand. And, and it goes up there to the the hayloft, and, and, um, and that's where the hay is that they used to feed the cows. And, uh, and her son was just sitting there, and, and, um, and she could see his wheels returning. She felt good as a mom. He's really getting this. He is just processing this. And, the, you know, the gears are turning. He's just looking. He's looking. He's like, man, and she's just feeling good. And so finally he looks up at his mom, and he says, Mom, 
you know what, I bet that was really hard. He says, yeah, son, it was hard. He said, I was bet it's really hard for those cows to climb up that ladder to get to the hay. <clears throat> so there are times we don't know the expectations, and we have to have a little more of an explanation as to what's going on. And so uh, let's look at Acts chapter 20. Um, Acts chapter 20, hopefully you found it uh, by now. If not, if you're using the Pew Bible, it's 929. I encourage one you to look at God's Word, not just um, uh, what's on the screen, but uh, grab a copy of God's Word. You use your mobile device, that's, that's fine. And I hear Paul is talking, and if you're not familiar with who the Apostle Paul is, um, he was sent out on a number of missionary journeys. So he would go around all of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey and the Middle East, and he went a number of other places, including Greece and some other places, and he would plant churches. He would share the gospel, and he would plant a church and disciple the people there, raise them up, and then he would go on to the next town and plant another church, and go on to the next town and plant another church. And that's what he did. He traveled all around, and then he would make sort of a return journey back to check on the church and say, hey, how are you doing? And, um, and as he would appoint the leaders in those churches, those leaders were called elders. We, we kind of know the term pastors, but the more common New Testament term is elders. And so we find him getting ready to stop by this church. He's on his way back to Jerusalem, and he's going to stop by uh, near the church of Ephesus, and, uh, and he's going to call these people to him. So pick up in verse 17 with me, and uh, let's, we're going to read the text here, Acts 20, verse 17, that says this. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. Verse 18, and when they came to him, he said, so he's going to give a little speech to the elders of the church here. And he says this, you know yourselves how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. Verse 21, testifying to both Jews and to the Greeks of the repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and inflictions await me. That's always a great test testimony to have from the Holy Spirit. Be glad you didn't get that testimony this week, right? Verse 24. But I do not account my life as of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of, none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom, will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. 
Would you pray with me? Father, as we have read your word and now as we begin to just meditate on it and chew on it, I pray for all those in the sound of my voice, God, that you would give us all, myself included, ears to hear. Father, that you would speak to us and thank you that your word does not return void. It will go out today to accomplish its purpose. And so, Father, help us to worship you with our minds now. Help us to worship you with our attention. Lord, sometimes it's easier to worship you lifting hands and singing. And Lord, sometimes we struggle, if we're honest, to worship you with our minds. And so right now, we just give you our minds. And I want to encourage you as you're there in your seat just to have a little conversation with God, even as we did earlier. Maybe in the quietness of your heart, you might say something like this to God. Just say this. Say, Lord, speak to me today. Lord, speak to me today. And then say something like this. For Lord, I intend to obey. I intend to obey. Father, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so today we want to clearly define and explain the expectations for elders. But not just elders, because I know some of you would be like, oh man, that's what the elders, that's what they got to go through. But really, as we look at it, I think what we're going to see is that these are the expectations for every Christian. And, and elders have a special calling to flock and shepherd the church. But all of us as Christians really have very similar expectations. When we look at the list, and this is where we've been as a church uh, back in September. And actually, a year ago, we walked through the book of 1 Timothy, looked at the, the, the character qualifications of an elder. What is the character of a man who is called to this role? And, uh, and, we, and we navigated that. But as, as we looked at that character we really came to the conclusion that this is the character all of us are called to have. This isn't anything extra, but, it, but it's these men who are leading the way, and, and these are the marks of a mature Christian. And so we saw that that was were applicable to all of us as well. And so we looked at the qualifications in 1 Timothy. Then in September, we were reminded of, of what they do, and, and they're, they're called to lead and shepherd and teach. And even then we were called, we realized that as believers, we're called to help lead others. We're called to shepherd others, maybe not in the same way that the elders do. And we're even called to teach one another, those who are alongside of us. And so again, we didn't see anything unusual there. And so uh, we also saw that elders are to always exist in a group, in, in plurality, not to have just one single elder, but everywhere in the New Testament, you find Paul appointing elders, plural. And so that's where we've been. And so today, what is kind of, what does it mean to be an elder? And so that's sort of the question. What does it mean to be an elder? Or you could say this, what does it mean to be a Christian? So that could be the title. That could be the question we're going to answer today. What does it mean to be an elder or what does it mean to be a Christian? Point number one, you can write this down, is this. Being an elder means doing life together, doing life together with other believers. We saw how Paul was doing this. Being a Christian, being an elder is not just attending church, but it's getting to know people deeper, not just serving together, but actually doing life together. Look what Paul said right in verse 8. Uh, 17, uh, we're going to work our way back to the text, and then on verse 18, it says this. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, calling the elders of the church to come to him. Verse 18, and when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I what? How I lived among you. You yourselves know how I lived among you. He's saying, you've seen my life, and the life of a Christian, the life of an elder is to be on display for others to see. Not this hypocritical, I can put on a good face at church and then I get in the car and I'm somebody different 
or I'm at home and I'm somebody different or I'm at work, I'm even a fourth different person, right? You know what I'm saying? But when we're doing life together, all those things become a lot more open. When you live life in community with other believers, they get to see you, right? We have a community group that I'm a part of, my wife, and, and, uh, and our kids are there, right? And people can see how I start to act when my kids get on my nerves, right? They can see me and my wife just not agreeing about how we're going to set up the drinks for that night and that sort of stuff. And they get to see how we really live out our faith Indeed, not just in our words, right? Because it's easy for everybody to put on a good show at church. That's easy. But going deeper, so we do life together. This means you know one another's lives. The church should be able to see us because we're role models. But even the average believer, you're called to do life with other believers. And so how are you doing it? Who are the people that get to see, like Apostle Paul said in verse 18, look back, it says, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia. Who are the people that get to see how you live? Who are the people you live among? Who are they? Are they believers? Look also at verse 20 with me. Verse 20. Paul said this. He says, How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and what? From house to house. And so, yeah, I taught in public, man, there's also this more intimate teaching going on in our houses. And I'm not saying that necessarily all teaching has to happen in houses or anything like that. But uh, the idea is, yeah, there's a public teaching and then there's real life. Like you get to see me, how I really act. And, uh, and so who are the people that you talk to? Who are the believers that get to see your life? I heard a quote this week, sort of a little poem says this. It's not what men eat but what what they digest that makes them strong. It's not what we gain, but what we save that makes us rich. It's not what we read, but what we remember that makes us learn. It's not what we preach, but what we practice that demonstrates we are Christians. And so, how do you live before others so they can see how you practice? Who are the people you hang out with, eat with, play with, watch TV with? The Super Bowl is coming next weekend. Are there any Super Bowl fans up in here? Nobody who wants to publicly admit, okay, all right, Miss Katie is unashamed in the back. I appreciate you, sister. Your team's not even playing in the Super Bowl, are they? Are they? I don't even know who's in the Super Bowl. Right, not the Giants. Right? But listen, when we get together, they can see how you yell at the TV. Right? They can see you knock over the bowl of popcorn. They can see you throw the remote. And they can say, hey, brother, I'm going to pray for you a little more. And uh, I will be gone the whole month of March, just so you're aware, uh, because that is the season of March madness. And um, your pastor will get a little mad during that month. And uh, No, I invite you to come watch him with me. Come watch him with me. And uh, I'll come over to your house. But who do, you, who do you get together with? Our lives should be accessible to others. So being an elder, being a Christian means, number one, doing life together that people you live among so they can see not just what you teach, but how you teach. Number two is this. Being an elder, being a Christian means you will face some hardships and some persecutions. Oh, pastor, come on. Can I get the seven steps to health, wealth, and happiness? You can. You can. In the kingdom of God, when he ransoms us, then you can get those seven steps to health, wealth, and happiness. 
But here on earth, in a broken world, we will face persecutions. We will face hardships. It's going to be difficult, especially when you decide to live out your faith and, and respond to the calling that God has given you. Man, the enemy knows what's inside of you. He knows there's something powerful that God has put in you, his spirit, his purpose, and your destiny. And the enemy is going to try to keep that from getting out to bless people. He knows that you have a calling. Christian, I'm talking to the Christians here. He knows you have a calling. He knows you have a destiny to bless others. That you, because you got set free as a slave, are now going to go set other slaves free. And he's, he's like, man, I can't let that happen. So the enemy begins to try to take you out, try to discourage you, try to distract you. And so these trials and hardships come. The same thing is true with elders because they step up and activate their faith in a different way. Look what Paul said. Look at, at verse 19. Man, this was a verse. This was a verse for me. It's a verse for you. Verse 19, he says, Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Reach over, touch your neighbor and say, Life has tears and trials. Life has tears and trials. And you can say, I know. I know. Life has tears and trials. Notice that he says it comes through the plots of the Jews. These were his own people. This was his own people. Came from the people who least expected it, right? Sometimes those closest to you are the ones that hurt you the most. Verse 22, skip on down to verse 22. So with tears and trials in verse 22, he says, And now behold, check this out. Now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem. So he knows that he's going to Jerusalem. And I'm constrained or I'm, I'm, I'm led by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. Except, verse 23, that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in that every city, imprisonment and afflictions await. How many of us ever heard like the, the preaching? Hey, when you become a Christian, it's going to come with tears and trials. When you become a Christian, imprisonment and afflictions await you. Who's ready to sign up to follow Jesus? Right, We love to kind of water down the gospel. And again, that's where the expectations get out of place, right? I told the story before. I'll tell it again. I think it was Ray Comfort who told the story, but he told the story about a man on an airplane. And, um, and, and the, uh, the whatever you call the person, the stewardess, I don't know what the new name for the, the employee of the airlines came and said, hey, put this parachute on. Put this parachute on. Um, and when you put on this parachute, you will get life, joy, peace, and happiness. So the man put on the parachute. He wanted life, joy, peace, and happiness, right? So he put on a parachute. But now he's sitting in a little uh, airplane chair. He got this backpack on. He's kind of crumped. The person in front of him was like leaning back to him. And he's uncomfortable. He's looking at all the other people. They're reclined. They're reading magazines. They're having a good time. They're watching movies on the screen. They're getting peanuts and drinks. And he's like this. He's he is not experiencing joy, peace, and happiness that he thought that he was told by the man that he would experience. Why? Because the man told him a little bit different expectation. Now, if the stewardess or the employee came up to him and said, hey, sir, this plane is about to crash. Put on this parachute, otherwise you will perish. The man puts on the parachute. He might be uncomfortable. He might be all awkward and bent out of shape. He sees other people eating and enjoying stuff, and he's thinking, Oh, Lord, it's about to go down. Y'all better get a parachute on. But you know what he experiences in that moment? Peace, joy, and love. Why? 
because I know where I'm going to plane crashes. Right? He's prepared because of the expectation that was set before him. And so the reality of being a Christian is that it is a difficult road when you choose Christ because the enemy is going to come after you. You have a flesh. You have a sinful nature inside of you that has had control for however many years, and it's going to try to gain back control. It's going to try to take Christ off the throne of your heart. And so your own flesh is going to battle you. You've got the enemy. And then, as the Bible says, uh, uh, the world, which is the other piece we haven't talked about, the flesh and the devil. And so the world is our culture, the cultural system that does not encourage us to pursue God. And so there will be hardships and afflictions, as he said here, right? Verse 23, then imprisonment and afflictions await me. Paul had it hard. Christians, there will be afflictions, but I'm here to tell you it is so worth it because you know where you're going and you know who is with you and you have found the satisfaction of your soul. Thirdly, being a Christian, being an elder, number one means you do life together. Number two means you'll face hardships and persecutions. And thirdly means not shrinking back from sharing God's word. Not shrinking back from sharing God's word. Not shrinking back from sharing the gospel. The good news. That's what all of us are called to do. This is the most important thing. As we abide in God and we receive nourishment, then we're sharing that good news with others. Every Christian is called to that. And that is the primary job, that is the primary responsibility of the elders, is to have the ministry of the word and prayer. That's what it says earlier in Acts chapter 6, the ministry of the word and prayer. Look with me at verse 20. Here in Acts, it says this, verse 20, it says, notice the exact same words. Paul said, how I did not what? Shrink. In other words, it's scary to share it sometimes. It's scary to testify about God, to tell somebody else about how good it is. And I want to shrink back. I don't want to live a life full of adventure with God. Oh, I just prefer a life of comfort and safety. I don't want to walk by faith. I want to walk by sight, right? But walking with God is exciting. Because you're walking by faith. So he says, I I didn't shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable. When you share God's word, man, you're helping people. You're building people up. You are profiting their lives with eternal value that is worth its weight uh, and far greater than gold, as the Bible says. More precious precious to me are your words than silver or gold. That's what the psalmist said. So continue with me in the same verse. Anything you do that was profitable to you, teaching you in public and from house to house. And then look down with me. Uh, the next verse, verse 21, testifying to both Jews and to the Greeks and of what? Of the repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the gospel message. And what does it take for someone to become a Christian? If you're trying to share that, it takes these two things, repentance and faith. All throughout the Bible, you look, what does it mean to become a follower of Christ? You need repentance and faith. And God grants you repentance, which means a change of direction, a change of heart, a change of mind. And faith, trusting, believing, walking with God, repentance and faith. And here we see those things here. And then pick up with me in verse 24. It says this. Here is Paul's life goal. Here is Paul's life statement. And I believe it's a great one for you to make your life first, your life statement. He says this. But I do not account my life as any value nor as precious to myself. Could you imagine that? I do not account my life as any value nor as precious to myself. Why? Because I have something better. I have something bigger to live for than myself. If only, here's what he says, if only I may finish my course, if only I may finish my race, if only I may finish my course and the ministry 
that I received from the Lord Jesus. And what is his ministry, he says? What is his goal? What is his race that God has left him on earth to do? It is this, to testify to the what? To the gospel, that's the good news, of the grace of God. And listen, that wasn't just for Paul, ladies and gentlemen. That was the same command that Jesus gave all of us as Christians. We are left here, the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations and baptize them, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I've commanded you. That's the call of every believer. Uh, uh, we should say with Paul, I don't count my life as any value or precious to myself at all. I just got a goal. I got a race. I got to finish. And it is testifying to the gospel of God. And when I do that, God is ready to take me home. Right? So often we look at people, especially in our days, and we think, oh, that person can't do anything for God. That person doesn't have any skills or talent. That person is too young. That person is too old. That person is too uneducated. That person doesn't know enough about the Bible. And God says, Fooey with all that, right? Fooey with all that. You could be on a bed with sores and difficulties, and you could be testifying to the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ and blessing those people around you. I've seen it time and time again from many of our church members, many of whom, and this has been a difficult season for our church, faced with death, faced with sickness and illness, and people getting diagnosed. It just seems like left and right. But I'm here to remind those family members that are here those people are still part of the purpose of God. And God is using them in a mighty way to declare his gospel as they suffer and walk through cancer and walk through hospice care and those sorts of things. And they walk through the grieving. God is using you. God will use that for his glory. And so not shrinking back from declaring or sharing the good news of the gospel. And so what are some action steps as we get ready to close this? I've got sort of three action steps, sort of therefore, right? Here are some things that we can do because these are the three expectations that we can expect as Christians and our elders can expect. Therefore, we should do a few things here. These can be your action steps for the week. Number one, you can write this down. Therefore, keep watch over yourself. Keep watch over yourself. Before you watch anybody else, watch over yourself. Touch your neighbor and tell them, keep your eyes on yourself. <laughs> You can get in some trouble with that. Don't let that go too far. All right. Keep your eyes on yourself. Keep watch over yourself. Jesus said, take the plank out of your own eye before you get the speck out of somebody else's eye. And so our first place, as the Bible says, is keep watch over yourself first. That doesn't mean we we don't watch over others. But first, I got enough of my own issues that I'm trying to have the Lord's grace helping me through. Look at verse 28 with me. What does Paul say? He says, pay careful attention to yourselves, right? Pay careful attention to yourselves. The word here means, um, literally means it means to take your mind and to turn it to that direction. You ever had a kid who wasn't paying attention to you, right? They're playing video games, right? And you're like, hey, uh, put away your laundry, right? And, they're, and, and you have to take their face and physically say, look at me, right? You got to turn their head. That's kind of the idea of the scripture, but it's itself. Okay, our tendency is to look at everybody else's junk and say, man, I'm glad I'm not there. I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. And so the scripture is reminding us, it says, no, no, take your eyes and look at your own heart first. David prayed in the psalm. He said, Lord, test me and try me and see if there's any wicked way within me. Is that part of your prayer? Is that a part of your mind? Lord, test me. Today. Before I worry about my coworkers, before I worry about my sister, my brother, before I worry about my husband or my wife, before I worry about my kids and my great Lord, test me. See if there's any wicked way within me, Lord, and help me 
Take that to your throne and deal with that. So turn your mind. Be attentive. Devote your thoughts to that. How's my walk? Where is my sin? How's my humility doing? Right? Those are great questions to ask. How is my walk with God? Where is my sin in this? So keep watch over yourself. Secondly, keep watch over the flock. Oh, that's just for the elders. No, it's not just for the elders. Look again at verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And again, there are some interesting words. We talked about this um, when we went through the elder series. But if you think about the three words in Greek that are used for pastors or elders, they all uh, carry the same connotation. So overseers is is one of the words there. That's one of the words you see in Scripture, and they're interchangeable. Or pastor, which would be shepherd, and you see the word flock there. And then elders, which we read earlier, all three are kind of interchangeable. But he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, guarding them, caring for them like a shepherd does, feeding them, disciplining them. Um, One of our elders, Brother Pete Peters, also retired this week, so they had his retirement ceremony. Uh, from the Navy and also from his career at the Navy Exchange. He did 41 years, and um, and uh, that was an impressive thing. But it was such a blessing to be a part of that. And I've been a part of a couple of uh, retirements for our military personnel, and I'm always amazed. And there's this thing, maybe you've seen it before, it's called the watch, right? Very powerful thing that, that they do when this person is uh, retiring. And they, and they, they, they uh, towards the end of the ceremony, they talk about, uh, the, the watch. I mean, it was just done so beautifully. But but this guy stands up and he says, shipmate, you know, this shipmate has has been keeping watch. While we were sleeping in our beds, this shipmate has been keeping watch. While you were learning at school, this shipmate has been keeping the watch. Even before some of us were burned, this shipmate has been keeping the watch to defend our freedom. All this just powerful stuff. And then he approaches them and then the man stands up and they begin to salute one another. And he says, this shipmate, the watch stands relieved. You are now relieved. And then there's a beautiful picture of discipleship because he says this, relieved by those you have trained, guided, and led. And I don't know if, if, if the military disciples better than the church, we got some improvement to do, right? Who are you training, guiding, and leading in the Lord Jesus Christ? But then he says this, shipmate, you stand believed. We have the watch. And it's a beautiful transition and um, for those who are retiring. But I'm here to let you know there's not a retirement for those who call themselves Christians. Our retirement happens in glory. And when you're in glory, you are retirement. And you can hear the Lord Jesus say to you, brother and sister, come into my kingdom and receive the joy. Well done, good and faithful servant. The watch stands relieved. The people still on earth have the watch. But while you're here, guess what you have? The watch. The watch. While you're here, you have the watch. You are called, we are called as brothers and sisters to watch over our fellow Christians, the members of our community group, the members of our church, keep guard, keep watching over the flock. And then finally is this, so keep watch over yourself, keep watch over the flock. Finally is this, keep watching the grace of God. Keep watching the grace of God. Because you know what? None of us can fulfill the Christian life in our own strength. You know what you need? You know what I need? I need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to equip me when I'm feeling lazy, to make me forgiving when I'm feeling judgmental, to make me loving when I'm feeling selfish, to make me patient when I'm feeling in a rush, when I don't want to care for others and I just want to seclude myself. I need the Lord Jesus Christ. I need His grace. That's why I need the power source. 
That's why I need to abide. The first and most important thing you can do is abide. You can't live the Christian life apart from the grace of God. Look at verse 30 through 30, 31, excuse me, uh, through 32. He says this. Therefore, be alert. It's a similar word to keep watch, but slightly different. Be alert, be alert, be alert. Some of you need to say that to somebody sleeping next to you. Be alert. Remembering, check this out, remembering that for three years, for three years, I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Paul's life is legit, isn't it? But verse 32, and now I commend you, I encourage you, right? I commend you to God and to the word of his what? Grace, which is able, so it's the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. It's God's grace that is going to equip us. We owe him everything. We can't do it apart from him. As we saw the other week in John 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm the vine, he said. You're the branches. You want, you want a fruitful life? Stay connected to me. You want to live the Christian life, the expectations? God gives you the grace to carry those out, but you've got to seek them. And so, elders, this is what it means to be an elder, but this is also what it means to be a Christian. And so, how are you doing at these things, right? This is not just for the spiritually elite. These are for all those who would claim the name of Christ. So how are you doing at living in community with others? How are you doing at enduring persecutions? And how are you doing at sharing the word of God and encouraging others with that? Keep watch over yourself. Keep watch over brothers and sisters. And most importantly, keep your eyes on Jesus, right? Stay focused there. And in fact, don't look at your own failures. I look at my failures all the time, and it is a terrible life to live. I mean, it is a terrible life to live. When I continue, when I start thinking about all the things I'm not good at, all the things I, I did terribly this week, I look to the grace of God and I see his victory and I receive his truth for me. Amen. And so we're going to have a time of ordination for our elders. And I'm going to ask those men to, to come forward now and stand before the congregation. And I'm going to tell a little bit of the uh, story uh, for them. And as these men come forward, I'm grateful uh, for what God has done in their lives. They are sailors, Brother Joe. I'm sorry, but you had a chance to vote back in November. <laughs> and so this is Brother Pete Peters and uh, Mr. Chris Carruthers here, um, both of, of whom. And again, um, this is a beautiful thing uh, as we see all the various parts of the church come together, right? Because... Um, as we taught and read the Word of God and our hearts began convicted that we needed to establish this process, we needed to establish these offices which we did not have. And we read the Scriptures and were informed by God and led through that. And then as, as, as we came together and we said, hey, church, you, you are going to select. We want you as a body to see the men you believe who, who live these lives, who are already doing this work. They're already shepherding people. They're already loving people. You see the character qualifications, and, and you did that, and you put some names down. And then as they uh, met with me and, and some others on our leadership team, Pastor Caleb uh, also helped as well, and, and we were able to verify, hey, is this really your character? And then when it came time to vote, I think it was very easy for us to see these men exceeded the qualifications and the character by the grace of God, and they were voted uh, back in November unanimously by you all. 
And I think it was just a beautiful picture that the body confirms this. And um, because you have seen them shepherding, you have experienced their love and care. You've experienced their phone calls, their visits, and their shepherding of you. And so it is a very encouraging thing. So we're going to do a call and response now. I'm going to uh, say some things, and they'll, they'll be on the screen. We're going to do some pledges uh, as, as the congregation together, because we're all in this together. Um, uh, there will be some pledges to these elders for them to respond with. And, uh, and so when it says people, and you'll see it sort of bolded in a little different color on the screen, that'll be for all of us to read together. So you guys with me? All right. So I'm going to start with this one. Uh, the next slide there for me, Corey. All right. So it says this. There are varieties of gifts, but it is the same Spirit who gives them. Let's all say this together. There are different ways of serving God, but it is the same Lord who is served. God works through each person in a unique way, but it is God's purpose that is accomplished. All of us together. To each is given a gift of the Spirit to be used for the common good. Together we are the body of Christ, and individually we are members of it. We are called into the church of Jesus Christ by baptism and marked as Christ's own by the Holy Spirit. This is our common calling as all believers together, to be disciples, to be servants of our servant Lord. But within the community of the church, there are some who called to various roles, different parts of the body. Some serve as members, fulfilling the various functions. Others serve as deacons, being chief servants, showing us the example of servant's heart. And then others serve as elders. And elders are Christ's gift to the church to shepherd the flock, to exercise oversight and leadership over the flock, and to assure that the church is fulfilling her mission to be faithful to the gospel and to be faithful to the correct teaching of the doctrine through the ministry of the word and prayer. And so to elders, I issue this charge and your response will be the words I do. Do you Chris and Pete, trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and acknowledge Him as Lord and He as the head of this church. And through Him, do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Do you accept the Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be, the Holy, to be by the Holy Spirit unique and the authoritative witnesses to Jesus Christ and the church universal and God's Word to you? Will you, in your own life, Seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, loving your family, your neighbors, and working for the reconciliation of the world. Do you promise to further the peace and unity of this church? Will you pray for it? Seek to serve the people with energy, with intelligence, with imagination, and with love. And will you keep watch being shepherds of God's flock that is under your care? watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Beautiful. Church family, this is our responsibility to the leadership. And uh, your response will be the words we do. So church family, do you agree to obey these leaders, submitting to them with joy, for they are keeping watch over your souls, and they will have to give an account one day before the Lord? We do. Let's all repeat this prayer together. God of grace, 
who called us to a common ministry as your ambassadors, trusting us with the message of reconciliation. Give us courage, discipline to follow where your servants rightly lead us, that together we may declare your wonderful deeds and show your love to the world. Through Jesus Christ, the Lord of all. Amen. Amen. So as I noted, every part of the body is important. And, uh, and, and there is there's not special unction in, in my hands. And, and, and though we, we are uh, specified in Scripture at times to lay hands on uh, people for a variety of reasons, in this instance, it's important for us to realize members we, God has given these men a call. God has given me as a call, and I'm one of the elders amongst this team. And um, God gives us that call. We have the right to respond to that call, but it's the body, right? It's the body that confirms that call. Yes, we see God at work. We see those gifts in you. And so we are blessing them. We are confirming them. The call came from God, but the confirmation comes from the body. Amen? So what I'd ask right now is that I want us to, as a church family, gather around these men and to spend some time placing our hands on them, uh, helping them understand we are here to support them. So I'm going to ask that you stand, those who are able and willing, and we're going to surround these men and, uh, and take some time to pray for them. Those who are able and willing. And I would like you to place your hands on these men. And if you're not close enough to do that, place your hands on somebody next to you. Let's just spend some time here praying, even quietly in your heart, asking God to bless these men, asking God to protect these men, their families, their children, grandchildren. Lord Jesus, as we come to you, we're thankful for the gifts of the body, all the various body parts, Lord. Some are hands, some are feet, some are eyes, some are ears, some are elbows. And we thank you for every part of the body. And thank you that as the body comes together and forms really one body, we get to thank you, especially for these men called by you. But Lord, we've seen your calling in their lives called to help lead us, Lord, as elders, overseeing, shepherding the flock, leading the flock, teaching the flock correct doctrine. We thank you for them. And, and God, just as we prayed a few moments ago, Lord, we, we dedicate ourselves 
to following their lead as they follow you. Lord, as they lead us in the word, in the ministry of the word through the scriptures, Lord, we agree as a body, Lord, to be people of the book, to be people of following the scriptures, Lord. So God, that is our desire and that's our heart. So bless these men. Bless our church, Father. May we see your hand of grace continuing to help us, guide us, make us more fruitful for your glory as we see our leadership diversified and strengthened through the gifts that these men bring to our leadership. We ask that you protect each of them, God, from the discouragement of the enemy, God, through the tears and through the trials, through the imprisonments, God, through the difficulties, protect their wives, protect their children, grandchildren, Lord, their extended family. Thank you that some of them are here, able to join us today in this day of celebration. But Father, as a body, Lord, we, we pray this, Lord. May, may our lives not count as any value or precious to ourselves at all, God. If only all of us, Lord, may finish the race, may finish the task you have given us, Lord, the task of testifying to the gospel of grace, Lord. That is our hope as we're on this earth, Lord. That's what we want to use our days for, to bring you glory. We pray that today has brought you glory through this process, through reminding, through our elders, Lord. And so guide us as we seek to bring you glory. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen, amen. Hug somebody next to you, hug these folks, let them know.